Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, we thank you this morning for our lives, our marriages, our families. We give you thanks that we're able to come to a place to seek your face and to raise up our hearts in gratitude for your mercy. We give you thanks, Lord, for a gathering of your people that love you and that want to hear your word. That we might welcome your word and let it be the very principles and rule of life so that we might perfect our praise and our worship, that we might live for your glory. Let your word this morning be a lamp unto our feet. Let it be a light unto our path. Let us live in such a way that we're not moving in the current of this world. That we're not moving into darkness, deep darkness. But allow your light to shine brightly in our hearts. That we might choose those things which are better, which are more excellent. We pray that your word would be sown into our hearts as a good seed so that we not sin against you, so that we line up with your purpose, so that we might fulfill your fruitfulness upon the earth, so that our families are blessed and in them all the families of the earth will be blessed. Give us a heart for eternal things. Give us a heart after righteousness. Give us a heart according to our Father's heart who's in heaven. Perfect us, mature us, mold us, and influence us towards righteousness, towards peace, towards mercy, towards joy, that we might be renewed in your presence. Prosper your word in our hearts. Let it transform us. Let us bring us to maturity in your responsibility and trust. We pray, Father, that in this day, of despair, Christ being formed in us would be the hope of glory. The God of all hope might perfect us and that we might see the fruits of peace in our lives. Allow your righteousness to increase and that we might serve you with excellence, O oh God. We give you thanks for this word and that it would not return void but would fulfill the purpose for which you send it. And we give you thanks and we glorify you and praise you in the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 We've been talking this last couple of weeks about world-changing communication. When we speak, it leads us towards efforts of maturity. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, Paul came to the realization that as a child, he spoke as a child. In our immaturity, we speak immaturely. We understand as a child and think as a child. But when we became men, we put away childish things. When we matured, we were ready to get on God's game plan. Uh, every time God leads us, it will lead us to maturity. It will lead us to transformation. We were also speaking about uh, the world-changing response, how to tell the devil he has missed out and if you weren't here you need a copy of that preaching called world changing response um, talking about the devil always has ungodly thoughts immature thoughts um, he speaks before he thinks 
Um, he doesn't understand um, God's ways. He's, he's set on worldly ways of thinking. Uh, when Sarah gives Abraham advice, she says, why don't you just go and have intimacy with Agar? And, and that was a great idea if you were not following God's game plan. If God was not going to show up, and so we have Ishmael being birthed to Abraham. That wasn't God's de dealing. That was a flesh, uh, carnal mindset. How we speak and how we respond to the devil are two great aspects of changing the world. Uh, we know that, I was just saying that 1983, the summer of 83, Jesus Christ came into our family and taught us a different way of life and saved my parents' marriage and, and re rescued our family and we began to live in a different paradigm and our words were the first things to change. And how we started disagreeing with the devil was the second thing. But the foremost of a world-changing mindset is to hear from God. And it's a travesty to see people do not hear from God even as they call themselves Christians. They're like, why does the pastor always say God's talking to them? Well, um, God wants to talk in a manner that is clear understandable a, a, a directive we were reading um, Judges chapter 13 I believe it was verse 8 where um, Manoah I think it's verse yeah. okay let's go to 8 first Manoah prayed to the Lord Lord please let the man of God whom you sent to us again and teach us what we shall do for the child who will be born. Listen to the mindset of this Samson, we all know in the Bible, strongest man ever lived. Uh, his father prayed in this, send us a man of God who will teach us how our children ought to live. These are powerful words of the humility of a man's heart that desires to understand and follow God. Let this man come to us again and teach us what we shall do for our child who you will entrust to us. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, I've talked to several parents and I've said these words. I feel sorry that your children have two idiots as parents. What's that mean? We don't have the right to trash our children. We don't have a right to pour our pride over them and not seeking the way in which God would have them live. Uh, God's game plan for our children are much too rich, much too fruitful, much too blessed and peaceful and, and, and all manner of order and right place and priority for you to come and swap that on your children and cause them to crash and burn in a life without God, without hope, without faith, without obedience, without godly instruction. How is it that we have that mindset? Well, Manoah was saying, let's go to the man of God and, and send him to us once again so he can teach us. And some parents will say, I don't need no teachings. I'm going to experiment. This is going to be my little guinea pig, and I'm going to do with my child everything my parents did with me. Now it's my turn to mess somebody's life up. Verse 12, he has the opportunity to see the man of God and he says, now let your words come to pass. That means let your words be welcomed in our family. Let the design of God be accepted and welcomed so that we will know what will be the boy's rule of life. What are the boundaries? What are the mindset? What are the principles? 
that are to govern our son's life. Oh, we're the ones that uh, become used to uh, the rebellion of the 60s, and we want our kids to smoke marijuana with us. That's our mindset of having a good time with the kids God give us. We're going to introduce them to the Rolling Stones and to all the rock bands that we grew up with that prolonged our adolescence. And so we wreck our children's world. Um, I was seeing a documentary on the hippie age as these young uh, men and women begin to rebel against establishment, against God. They begin to be promiscuous without knowing where that led to. They begin to have free sex, free drugs, rock and roll. And they thought that this was nirvana. They thought that this was the world of pleasure and joy. And it all um, but, but destroyed the mindset. And this is what a man said about it, an expert. He says, this era infantilized it made us children it made us unaccountable it made us immature irresponsible we we broke outside the rules of life uh, that would govern a man's destiny so that was a whole age uh, of foolish children of parents that did not uh, were not able to reach the heart of their sons Malachi chapter 4 verse 6 says if there's not that connection between the instruction of what Manoah is trying to do, asking God's messenger to be sent and to be instructed, um, a lot of parents have taught their kids to hate church and to hate the pastor and to hate spiritual leaders because they're trying to come and, and place parameters and for years we've seen this happen. We have put the, the God-ordained parameters and parents says, hey, hey, we understand that that's what your religion and that's your philosophy and your conviction, but we, our margins are a little bit farther. Let us do what we want to do outside of the margins. And they have entrusted their children to destruction. Uh, he will return the hearts of the fathers to children and the hearts of the children to conform to the father's heart lest great chaos strikes the earth. A curse, chaos. Uh, out of order. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you something. As I see people live outside of God's paradigm, I see no peace. I don't see peace in their lives. I don't see fruitfulness. I don't see satisfaction. Um, uh, they continue to strive all the more. Uh, and we need to have a mindset. This is, this is some of us who have been in the Lord for quite a while now. Um, God's, God's desire for us is an ever-transforming desire. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says that the Spirit of God comes upon us and is transforming us into His image. We all with unveiled faces beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into that same glory from glory to glory through the Spirit of the Lord. That means the Spirit of God upon us is transforming us more and more like God. I, I wasn't thinking like this 30 years ago. I wasn't as bold as I am today. I didn't understand that Christ wanted a transformation to take place. And I said on Thursday, I'm not done with that. I want all my enemies to be underneath my feet. Everything that's not from God, I want it to be transformed in my life. And I'm not content with the fact that that uh, I, I enjoy a lot of the peace and a lot of the joy that the Bible, but I want full joy. I want my, my peace to be complete. I don't want, uh, there is still 
manifestations that are not like Christ in my life, and I want them all to be like Christ. I, I want to be able to tap in. Uh, yesterday, we were watching a video that it was talking about how God created all things according to his creative design, and I was like blown away by how little we see. Maybe we could see that at the end of today's service. I could show you a little bit of, of how far we are from God's design. And so God wants us to move in his direction more and more, understanding him, loving him, living like him. My sons are young. Uh, they're saturated with a lot of cultural uh, views of this world. Um, they're, they're saturated with song and music and friends that do not walk in that pathway. So if, if you leave the crowd walking with the world, you find yourself to be an alien. You find yourself to be really weird. Listening to your parents, what's that? Listening to parents that listen to the man of God, what's that? That's called righteousness, my friend. That's called the privilege. That's called blessing in this world. To be able to be instructed by God, by His Spirit, to be transformed. Romans 12, this is a voluntary presenting yourself to God. Verse 1, he says, I beseech you therefore, if God has any mercies upon your life, present yourself. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is, is acceptable to God. God wants you to do this which is what you reasonably have to do coming from where you come from. You know, some of us have not told our kids yet where they came from. They're like, well, we weren't as bad off as the pastor and his family. See, they really, really needed God. That's why they really, really listened to God. That's why they really, really, really go to church. We weren't there yet. Um, I don't know if you've seen the pictures of uh, this man. Uh, it's a very w difficult word to say. It's, it's where the nuclear power plant in Russia leaked. Anybody want to help me with that? Chernobyl. You see the pictures of this leak of nuclear radioactive presence, and you see the, the families totally saturated by the presence of nuclear uh, radioactive fallout. They're... they're, they're their hands are, are melting, their faces are melting, and they're, they're running towards and away from that destruction. Well, guess what? That was sin in our life. That was pride in our life. That was darkness in our life. And those of us who have come from that will not forget those times. In modern times, they say the Holocaust was just as deadly and horrible. And you see the effects of ungodliness. You see the effects of sin. You see the effects of rebellion. And you see where we came from, and we're hauling very fast. We don't want to take and conform to that reality. We don't want to live that experience. We don't want that to be our horrible nightmare. So we're running from the world and sin and pride and rebellion and disobedience, and we're being conformed. It says there, uh, present yourself as a living sacrifice, which is reasonable from where you come from. Verse 2. Do not be like the world. Do not be. Don't take the form of the world. Don't like what the world likes. Don't dream after what the world dreams like. Don't seek what the world calls good. But renew your mind. Transform your thoughts. That you might test what is acceptable and good. And the perfect will of God. 
And so we have declared a, a total, we hate the world and all that's in it. The Bible says if you love the world, the love of the Father cannot perfect you. You cannot be transformed because you'll continue with a complex of, well, wait a second, I'm not looking like the world anymore. You're not supposed to look like the world. Amen. In fact, I've told many of my youth group, if, if the world has a particular hairstyle, that's the one you don't have. Right. We're not, we're not, listen to me. I understand the world needs the world. But we now know the effects of being in the world. And if you identify with the world, you will end up like the world ends up. You can't do what the world does and, 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 and find yourself better off than the world. The church has the same statistics in divorce as the world. Why? Because they, they do everything the world does. So if you're a marriage and, and God is not the first, foremost, and a priority in your life, you're destroyed. You'll have the same hang-ups as the world. So we've been at this for a long time. I take total offense of not new Christians that come in, that they're new, they don't know any better, so we, we equip them, we help them understand, we help them think like the world. But when you've been in Christ for 10 years, my friend, and you continue to act like the world acts, and you continue to foster your stupidity in this place, you'll get an invitation very quick. I will tell you, since the love of the world is in your heart, go and do what's in your heart. Go back to the world. Go and, and the Bible compares it to a dog that eats vomit. Go back. If you enjoy vomit, go to the world and have your share. Think like the world, think like the world, move like the world, and be a world statistic. You're not the light of the world. You're not the salt of the earth. You want to bring the world into the church. You think it's cool to be cool according to the world. We're not called to be cool. We're called to change the world. We're called to be different than the world. We're, talk, we're talking different. We're thinking different. We have different paradigms in the world. And so in that regards... This is, this is what's going to happen, and it's already happening in our day, 2 Timothy 4.3. The time will come. I'm going to say the time is here. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They do not want to suffer. Listen. They do not want to persevere with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means those things that are according to the Word of God, the teaching of God. But according to their own desire. See, sound doctrine is against your desire. It's not what you want. This cross signifies not my will, thine be done. Not the way I think, the way you think. Not the way I live, the way you live. Not my reasoning, my opinion, my perception, my assumption. No, it's God. What he wants us to know and to think and to live. Not according to their own desires. But, I mean, but according to their own desires, because they have itchy ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. What's that mean? I want somebody to tell me what I want to hear. I want to hear what, what the world is saying so that I can attain. A lot of people come to the church and, and they're playing the spiritual lotto. They, they, what am I going to get? The spiritual genie. Lord, if I could only get, and, and it's not about what you get, it's what you're offering God. Your life is to be a 
living sacrifice acceptable to God. You're to present yourself in a manner that pleases God. David says, Lord, let the meditations of my heart and the words on my lips be pleasing to you. Let what I do please you, not let you please me. What I want, what I think. You'll come to find out very fast that the self is never satisfied. The self will always want more and more. Uh, Many men, ugly as sin, cannot find a woman. When finally God gives them a woman, now they want another one that's not theirs. You'll notice that, that sin never satisfies. A selfish desire never pleases. Always wants more. So we need to think like God. And we not only need to know how to speak and how to respond to the devil, we need to hear from God. You can say amen. Amen. Say, I need to hear from God. And when I hear from God, I want to do what God says. I don't want to hear from God to not do what God says. I want to hear from God so that I can go in His direction. So that I can end up seeing what He sees. Genesis chapter 35. This is a powerful time, not because this man is starting to know God. Not because like Manoah, he's asking God, teach me the rule of life for how my son ought to live. I want the instruction of God to instruct my family. This is a man who's already walked with God for a while. This is Jacob. And in this relationship in Genesis chapter 35 verse 1, God communicates to Jacob. I want you to put your name right there where Jacob's name is and say, God said to me. God said to me. He was speaking to me. Arise and go up to Bethel and make your habitation there. Make this your game plan. Direct your heart towards Bethel and dwell there. And as you dwell there, make an altar there to the God who appeared to you when you fled the face of Esau, your brother. Now listen, the motivation for many of us to have come to God is because we had a problem. Have you forgot what that problem was? I have it. God is saying, go to Bethel, put an altar there, and begin to... um, sacrifice, begin to serve the God who appeared to you when you were about to lose your life. You know the story that um, his brother was very upset at him because he had stolen his inheritance and Esau swore to kill his brother. So he said, God, I need you to help with me. He started wrestling with God and God says, all right, I'm going to deliver you from the consequences of your actions. I'm going to redeem you. And so God is telling him, I want you to go back to Bethel and I want you to present an altar there, dwell there to the God who appeared to you when you were facing life's adversity, life's difficulty. I love the next verse because uh, some of us have personalized our relationship with Christ. This is me and God and God is speaking to me. But Jacob understood that when God was speaking to him, he was speaking to the entire household. So the next verse says, so Jacob, verse 2, said to his household and all that were there with him. That means not only his immediate family, but all those that were in the connect of the immediate family. He spoke to them these words, put away the foreign gods that are among you. You cannot serve two gods. 
We cannot be playing church. We cannot perceive ourselves. The Bible says that the, the word church is those called out of the world to serve in the purpose of God. That's what the church is. The church is not going there once a week on Sunday. You're visiting the church, but you're not the church. The church are those called out by God. And God says, you know something? This is not your game plan. This is my game plan. This is not like the world. This is like the kingdom. If you're the church, you're not living life like the world is living life. You're not doing life for your own purpose. Um, I, I love the verse that says that, that since Christ died for you, now you ought to not live for yourself. Recall this. Uh, in our particular example, there was no Molina family. Until Jesus Christ came in and defended and rescued and brought great deliverance to our family. That's why we are bowing down at his feet saying, Lord, what do you want? How do you want it? Where you want it? Lord, we're moving in your direction. Lord, give us wisdom that we might faithfully serve you. We don't have an agenda anymore. Our agenda is his agenda. Jacob told everyone in his household, get rid of all those things that you are serving. Verse 2. Genesis 35.2. Put away your foreign gods that are among you. Separate yourselves. Change your garments. Well, I like my garments. You know, I don't think those things that I serve are too bad. And purifying us seems a little bit too radical. You know, we live in a messed up world, so why, why is God bringing a standard into our life that's not consistent with that which surrounds us? These are, these are the dilemmas going on 6,000 years ago. They're the dilemma that's going on right now. I thank God that he's able to tell them why. Verse 3, we are going... Let us rise, go up to Bethel, and he gives them a game plan. We will make an altar there to God because he answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me all the way which I have gone. This is a God that I owe allegiance to. This is a God that, and I, I used to tell my kids, you see everything going on in our life? It's because the God we serve. And so we go into church and we're going to give him the best of our lives. We're going to give him the best of our time. We're going to serve him. We're going, to, we're going to draw near to him. We're going to be intimate with him. Why? Because he was the God who answered me in the day of my distress. And he has been with me since that time. I, I, last night, I was, I was thanking the Lord. I said, Lord, you, you came into our life in summer of 93, I mean 83, 1983. You have not missed a beat for 30 years. For 30 years, God has been faithful, 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 beyond faithful, 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 faithful. Our God is awesome. And to be able to give him an acknowledgement of, of our prayers, of our devotion. And so as he shared his heart to his family, you know what, what was the response of the family? See if this is your response. Ready? Verse 4. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods. 
they, they, brought, they came clean. They said, everything that has been distracting our devotion, everything that has been a, a, a detour, we've been, we've been cheating on God, we can't make God because we get, we're, we're, all these things we're giving up, we're surrendering. Which, those things which were in their hands. Um, the cultural time was that, that there was earrings on their ears. And the Bible says they gave up their earrings. Everywhere I go nowadays, the young men are, are putting on earrings. Like if that, that is cool. Um, I, I went back to my junior high days. And I was like, man, nobody, no, no boy would dare put an earring on. They'd call you a feminine sissy. They call you a little girly girl. And so now the, the cultural landscape of our time is everybody sitting there with some big earrings on. And uh, this morning as I went to go have breakfast, uh, two young boys, a 15-year-old, a 17-year-old, their father was a, a, a very burly uh, construction guy. And, they, you know, two little girls next, I mean, boys with their earrings on. And, and they're sitting there thinking that that is the, the highlight of their cultural age, the inability. Uh, and Jacob hid all these things. He buried them under a tree that uh, was in Shechem. They were preparing themselves to present themselves before God. And when they began to move in a cultural mindset of the day to purify themselves, to get rid of, of what they were doing according to the age and the value of the age. Verse 5, it says, when they did this, the terror of God was upon the cities that were all around them. And they did not dare to challenge the sons of Jacob to a fight. When you start walking with God and listening to God and moving with God, listen to me. God is on your side to fight your battles. Amen. And people will notice that you're different. And they're going to freak out that somebody would take the challenge to line up with God's desire. And so it was in verse 6, it says, Eventually Jacob and his whole household arrived at Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan. And he said, he and all the people who were with him, they got to that place in verse 7, Jacob built an altar there and named that place El Bethel, which means the God of Bethel, because God appeared to him when there, were, when there he was fleeing from his brother Esau. You keep on reading there, you'll see that God begins to bless him. In verse 9, it says, Now that Jacob had returned from Padam Aram, God appeared to him again at Bethel. You know, when, when God tells you one thing and you obey and you put it implement and you go to the next place, God shows up again. Some of you guys have not heard from God for a long time because you stopped doing what God has called you to do. So he's disconnected. If you're not going to do one thing, I can't teach you multiplication and division if you don't listen how to add and subtract. If you miss those early classes, you're not able to do the further classes. And it's a travesty for you to miss out on God's game plan because you get stagnant. You, you freeze in a stage of your uh, challenging so there God appeared to him again and blessed him. Verse 9. Verse 10 it says, Now your name is Jacob, but you will not be Jacob anymore. I'm going to transform. From now on your name will be Israel. So God renamed him Israel. These, these seasons of time, now you're a baby. You're no longer a baby. Now I'm going to call you an adult. 
The baby years were good, and you did what was well, so you, you reached adulthood. You didn't do what was well, you died in your immature infancy stage. We weren't able to take you to the better levels of existence. And so there he says, now I'll call you Israel. You'll have a different character. Verse 11, then God said, I am El Shaddai. I am the almighty God. And I'm about to make you fruitful. And I'm about to multiply you. And I'm about to make you a nation. And you'll be in the company of nations. Uh, and kings will come out of your body. High dignitaries. Men ready for great promotion will be the fruit of your obedience, of your service to me. Some of us never get to that level. We've never seen an almighty God because we have not gotten rid of our idols. We have not prepared different clothing. We have not put on Christ. Some of us have been coming to church forever and still have not been baptized. Today you have an opportunity to get baptized. To take a step in the direction of God. Because if you've taken a step in the direction of God, He will dress you with garments of praise. He will get you to another level spiritually. And, and thus, fruitfulness. So He says, I am the God Almighty. Another revelation of God. The first revelation is I'm the God who took you out of troubles. We've met that God. That's why we're here. But he wants to introduce you to an almighty God. To the next level of your calling in the things of God. So that from your body, instead of... I, I was looking at the, at, on Google, on YouTube. I saw the life of the son of Che Guevara. Who wants to be the son of Che Guevara? His son started... Tracing his life. Where did my father go? Why did he go? Who did he talk with? What did he do there? And all he saw was shame, 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 shame. And some of your sons, if they were to trace your life without God, without consecration, without putting God first, it's shame, shame, shame. There's no glory. Glory belongs to those who serve God, who listen to God, who obey God. They will know an almighty God. Verse 12, I will give you a land. There's, there's provision. Just like I gave to your grandfather, just like I gave to your father, I give to you. And to your descendants after you. God has a game plan and promise and you're following the world. You're following the things in this world. So it says there, verse 13, then God went up. From the place where he had spoken to Jacob. God begins to speak to him. God begins to share his heart with him. Because he and his family were walking in God's direction. Jacob set up a pillar. He wanted a milestone to remember that meeting. Verse 14. Jacob sets up a pillar to mark the place where God had spoken to him. And he poured wine as an offering and anointed the pillar with olive oil. This is my, my place where, where God spoke to me. Where God gave me instruction. Where he gave me vision. Where he allowed me to get rid of the world and the things of the world and the thoughts of the things of this world. And not be conformed to this world but be transformed. To turn in opposite direction of true promise. Of true fulfillment, fruitfulness. And it says there in verse 15, 
Jacob named the place Bethel, called the name of the place where God spoke with him Bethel. Why? Because Bethel is the house of God. This is, this is the place where, where God speaks to us, begins to, everything we've been saying now, it's all the heart of God. The disposition of our hearts is, as God is speaking to us, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What's going to be your resolve? In Matthew 22, there is a feast. God is inviting everybody to come to the wedding feast. In verse 2, Matthew 22, 2. He says, the kingdom of God is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. He sent out his servants to call all those who were invited to the wedding, wedding, but they were not willing to come. Not willing to respond. Not willing to move in the direction. <clears throat> I love to see this past week the testimony of Robin Williams, who's an actor who in despair takes his life. The funniest man of our generation dies the saddest death. And, and all the times that Christ was there reaching out to him. Some people say that he was at a rehab a couple months ago. And, and they talked to him about Christ. They talked to him about the Lord. They talked to him about the opportunity to change course. And not die in despair and hopelessness and fear. That we find ourselves in a place where God has recurringly invited us to come. And they were not willing to come. They were not willing to come. And so in his indignation, he goes out and invites everyone and calls them to come to the wedding feast. And one particular gentleman shows up. Verse 11. As the king came to see the guest, he saw a man there who did not have the proper wedding garments. As if God does not want us to, to appear as those that do not know him. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in here without the proper wedding garments? How is it that you're in here and you're still wearing your worldly mindset? How is it that you want to participate with the celebration and you're not willing to come here in proper manner? And so there the 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 response was he was speechless. Hey, listen to me. We're not going to have any manner to be able to argue with the Lord. You can argue with many things, but when you have the Lord in front of you, you're not going to be. The Bible says that there will be no excuses in our mouth. We'll be speechless. Verse 13, then the king said to those that were present, bind him hand and foot and take him out. He wants to live like the world. Let him be in the company of the world. He wants to act cool. Let him be a cool outside the kingdom. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth there. Nothing good. For many are called, but few are chosen. Verse 14. Many are the ones that God calls. And what does he call? Romans 13, 14. Those that he has called, he calls them to put on Christ. Put on the Lord Jesus. Make no provisions for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Don't do what you want. Don't pursue what feels good. Don't go in the direction of this world. Put on Christ. That's our instruction. 
Make no provision for the flesh. Um, I know the flesh is never satisfied. If you do a little bit of what you want, then you'll do a little bit more of what you want. And then you'll do a lot more that you want. And you'll end up doing a whole bunch of stuff you don't want, but your flesh wants. Remember being young and, and knowing that verse, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands, right? And you're in bed, and this feels good in the morning. But knowing that this leads to poverty, like a bandit, the Bible says, who will take everything you have if you're lazy. I would go, no folding of the hands. I can't slumber. I got to get up. I got to go work. I got to go study. I got to go to school. So you do contrary to what feels good because you don't want to end up with destruction. Matthew 8, 28, 19 says, therefore, we're to go and teach this reality to nations. Listen, we don't have time to be bored and we don't have time to conform to this world because we are the examples of not being like the world. We're to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Identified with the death of Christ, I no longer live, Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live for the glory of God. I live to be like Jesus every day. Go baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Verse uh, 20 says, Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Those who gladly accept and receive these words, Acts 2.41. There are some people when they hear these words, they have an issue. And that's fine that you have an issue. You get to take it wherever you go. Isn't that sad? You're the issue. Everyone who gladly received his words got baptized. And from that day, 3,000 were added to the church. 3,000 souls. There are people that love when they hear God's word and they do what it says. And they receive what God has for them. Other people do not enjoy that. Can we stand this morning and say, Lord, we want to communicate and be more intimate with you. We want to walk like you want us to walk. We want to respond like Jacob and his family responded. We're not going to put this responsibility into the lap of others. This is our responsibility. I'm not to look like Ricky Martin. I'm not to walk around like the Kardashians. I've been saying for 15 years in this church, if you're over the age of five and you're a male-born birth man... Tuck your shirt in your pants. Because if you can't do that, you can't do anything else we've asked you to do. And that marks us a little bit different than this world. Just a little bit. We're not to conform to this world. If you want to have your shirt on the outside, you're invited to not come back to this church. Because we're teaching our little five, six, seven, and ten-year-old boys that a man tucks in his shirt. To be able to present himself to the nations, to ministers, to ambassadors, to the, the wealthy businessmen who wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And so we're preparing a young people that will confront these men and hold them accountable to a life in Christ. Whether it's your shirt being tucked in, whether it's your haircut that you don't want to groom, so you will never be able to be called the bride and the groom. Because a groom grooms himself first. 
All these manners are the DNA and the instruction of a world-changing church. We're, not, we're far from where God wants to take us, but we want to take steps in that direction. And we want anybody who is mentally deficient to get a good psychiatrist or psychologist. But we are clear. There, my brother just raised his hand. We're clear about the fact we're doing things different because we want a different result. We want different fruit. We want men who are willing to man up and to be mature. And, you know, the first three years of our life, we didn't speak too well, but we communicated. You don't have to speak words to communicate, I'm not on the team. I know those people that play baseball, the Yankees, if you show up without the proper color socks, what happens? What happens? You can't play and then what? You get fined and then what? You get kicked out, right? Well, we're the Yankees. We're going to start doing things in a manner which shows that we're serious. And those who want to do elsewhere, go elsewhere Become whatever this world wants you to become. Be a, a, a hippie. Be a, a butterfly. Be whatever you want. But in this house, we want to show steps towards world-changing caliber. We're teaching that to three- and four-year-olds. When three- and four-year-olds, when we went to the intense men's conference, um, Danny Lopez is nine years old, and he walked in, and he saw some guy there that looked like he was out of some inner-city gang. And he says, Dad, what are we doing here with that guy? Only because of what he saw. He says, what are we doing? If we're world changers. Why are we looking like we're not world changers? And he's nine years old. So I remember the first day I went up to Ohio. And there was a pastor there. He says, I used to love to come and preach in dockers and polo shirts. And I wanted to be comfortable in the pulpit. And he says, no, bring dignity and honor to the office of God. Start. I used to wear... I used to wear a suit everywhere. So I was tired of wearing suits. I said, Sunday, I'm going to go comfortable. And God says, no comfortable. Not in my presence. You get comfortable in your house, in the living room, throw your shoes off, your socks, and do whatever you want. But in the house of God, show forth, a, be an example. Show people what it is to honor God and to live for his glory. Father, we thank you this morning. We want to hear from you, God. We want to be transformed. We want to communicate and have intimacy with the omnipotent, almighty God. We don't want to conform to this world. We don't want to live like the people in this world live. They're lazy. They are lukewarm. They're not motivated about anything. They're not excited about anything. Lord, we're excited. We're motivated. We're passionate. We love you with all our heart. We remember where you brought us from. You've called us to the high mountain, to the high mountain of your presence. And we want to dwell with you through eternity, O oh God. And we want to be part of the preparation of those that will be purified. Lay down our earrings, our tattoos, our dress codes, our comfort. The cross was not a comfortable place for you, O oh God. And you were paying a, paying a great price to save a large multitude. Use us likewise, O oh God. Use us likewise that we would present ourselves as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable, wholly presented to you in a manner that, that is welcome. We don't want to be tied, bound hand and foot and thrown into darkness. 
Lord, you have come to deliver us from darkness, from the day of terror. Dress us with the garments of Christ. Dress us with an attitude of humility, of presenting ourselves to you acceptable, Lord. Body, soul, and spirit. Transform our thoughts, our attitudes, our issues. And let us come before you in a manner that's a blessing to all those that are around us. And wherever you sent us, that we might show forth the praises of him who called us out of darkness. When we had no discipline, you put discipline in our life. When we had no correction, you, put cor you corrected us. When we had no instruction, we were full of destruction. You come and, and showed us meekness and humility and instructed us in the ways of the Lord. That we might be able to endure sound doctrine, oh God. And be transformed. Showing forth maturity. Responsibility for the younger ones, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. The house of God says amen, amen, amen.